You know, I have like, I don't know, like eight, nine, maybe 10 people from the UK who just read my blog, ridewithld.com, every single day, like clockwork, like the sun rising in the east and setting in the west. I can depend on, on this core group of British elites to read my site. And to be honest, I'm a little worried with how they're going to take this right now. The soccer podcast, I'm breaking down their home sport, you know, so so hopefully it's the best. But yo, 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 what is up, people? It is your man, LD, back at it again here on The Lowdown with LD. This is episode two. Feels like a weight is off my shoulders. You know, you get that first episode done and in the bank. Nothing else could ever be that scary again as your first time. You know what I'm saying? And today, we got a special episode for you guys. Another another timely episode of The Lowdown with LD. We're talking a little soccer. All right, we're getting ready for the British Premier League season that kicks off this weekend. We're talking soccer. We're talking gambling. All the above. LD first wants to start with... Uh, you know, why I am talking about soccer. And that's as follows. You know, LD, he loves gambling football. That's what he's probably the most successful with. He bets some basketball. He bets some baseball. But at the end of the day, you know, there's a lot of experts out there in the world. There's a lot of these gambling touters and, and bet experts online. And, and LD's not one of them. But the one area that he truly believes he has a little bit of expertise, a little bit of advantage over your average Joe in America is soccer betting. These Yankee bookies, they don't know how to set the lines. You know, they, they don't know what they're doing when it comes to football. I'm not talking about football. I'm talking about football. So, you know, LD, though, why not, why not talk a little bit to the people? You know, soccer's building in America. It's growing. People are getting more interested in, in, in it every year. You know, Christian Pulisic is bringing in the American viewers. So, so that's why I've decided to talk about soccer to you people. I do feel like it's a, it's a position where I have a little bit of expertise, a little bit of advantage. Now, let me, let me address this. You know, some people, they don't like soccer. They think it's boring. There's not enough scoring. There's not enough action in it for them. I tell those people to go kick rocks. You know, well, what a way to just stick your hand up into the air and announce yourself as a simpleton to say that you can't follow a sport as, as articulate as soccer. You know what I mean? As delicate, all that. I mean, there are, uh, hey, LD hates hockey. There's not a lot of scoring in hockey. You know, the, the goalies in hockey are in a much smaller net and they're covered in pads. Why doesn't somebody just get some big lug and stick him in there, you know? I don't know. But at least these soccer goalies, they got to dive. They got to lay out. You know, it's tricky. Not to mention, you know, there's a little bit of excitement in, in near score. I don't know. You know, I just, I just have trouble. You know, there's not a lot of scoring in tennis. That's why they score by 15-point chunks. You know, you score like three times, you win a match. So why don't people complain about that? What about golf? You know, golf's a slow sport. People love golf. People love it. Half a golf, you're watching people walk. You know, at least soccer, like the build-up play, it's beautiful. It's a piece of art. If you tell me that you can't like soccer, then you only like action movies. You know what I mean? You, you've never gone to the Louvre and seen the Mona Lisa in person. I don't know what to tell you. Then I wanted to give a little bit of advice on, on maybe how to get into soccer. Maybe share a little bit of LD's story. LD got, got into soccer via Arsenal Football Club around 2013, just before the 2014 World Cup. Started as a casual viewer. World Cup really, really fired me up as it does many people. Then LD went to the gateway drug. He went to FIFA. You know, he was in college. FIFA's a phenomenal tool for getting into soccer. It's a fun game. It's quick and easy to pick up. A lot of people can be relatively good enough at it, you know, good enough to play a decent game. And, and if you're playing FIFA, you're learning clubs, you're learning players, you're learning strategies. It's a great, 
It's a great little introduction to the world of soccer, you know? And then lastly, uh, the last part of this intro before we really get into things is, is why the Premier League? You know, why is that the league I'm, I'm concentrating on? Why not the Bundesliga or Serie A or Ligue 1 or, or La Liga or Liga Unde Mexical or any of those? You know, I, I, there are answers. There are reasons. You know, the Premier League, first off, there's language. LD speaks English, as you can tell. Premier League is in, in English. It's, it's, it's broadcasted in English. That makes it rather easy. Secondly, we have the coverage. The Premier League just, it's its like the, you know, the hot reality show of, of world soccer. It's just, it's the one that all the media is behind. There's all the rumors. There's theres just the most action surrounding the Premier League. Being abroad across the Atlantic, it's just easily the easiest league to kind of keep up with, you know? Then there's just money. There is a ton of money in the Premier League. You know, think of the Premier League like uh, uh, like the NFL and and the, the rest of the world like a much better Canadian football league. You know, there's not a perfect analogy there for a reason, but the Premier League, it just, it does, it has the most money. They can buy the most players. They can, you know, they, they have the biggest media deal. It's the easiest to watch on TV. It's just a lot of money uh, revolving around the Premier League. You know, a lot, of, a lot of quid, a lot of pence, if you will. So it's just fun. They have the biggest and best players. You know, it's a good time, the, the British, the EPL, if you will. So if you're if you're looking to get started, that's definitely the place to begin. They have coverage uh, every weekend on NBC Sports. But now, now, people, it's time to get into the thick of things. You know, now we're not just vaguely talking about soccer. We're talking about this, the 2020-2021 Premier League season. And for this special podcast, I'm joined by my good friend, uh, my mentor in all things Arsenal Football Club, and the man who got me into the classiest team in football, Bradley Robertson. Bradley, how are you? Good, LD. Thanks for having me on, man. Ah, no, no problem, man. I'm, I'm thrilled that you were able to join me for this. Uh, you, you are even more of a American soccer gambling expert than me, I'd say. Yeah, I remember watching that first Arsenal game in Tampa. We mm-hmm. came down, and uh, the rest is history. Yep, yep. I think we wanted to start a bit about why Arsenal. You know, we're, we're going to kick this podcast off with a little bit of Arsenal talk. We're going to get to the other big six. We're going to get into a little more gambling. But first, we're starting with the Gunners. And before we can start with the Gunners, how did we start with the Gunners, Bradley? Yeah, that's that's a good question. A lot of people who come into soccer or want to get into soccer, they ask me, you know, how do you pick a team? You know, who, who should I pick? And, you know, Arsenal, I, I'd like to say Arsenal, you know, chose me. Um, growing up in Mount Laurel, uh, a lot of the soccer players, a lot of people from our town, uh, shout out Bozy, Gio, Gelly, uh, Keenan, all these guys are Arsenal fans. Um, you know, of course, FIFA, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, then they started taking me to uh, this bar in Philadelphia called Misconduct. It's the Arsenal bar. I've been going there since probably 2011. Uh, every game gets packed. Uh, you know, the, the vibe in there is, is electric. Um, you know, so it just kind of you know, went from there and just fell in love with the team. And you know what I love about Arsenal is that Arsenal has that fan base, you know, that fire and that passion behind it. It's funny, me and you both grew up in the Philly area in the shadow of Philadelphia, but neither me nor you are Philadelphia Eagle fans, nor the biggest of Philadelphia fans. But that's what Arsenal kind of reminds me of a bit, is the Philly fans just in the sense that they, they'll go to war. You know, over this past summer, we signed a, a center back from France named Gabriel. And when we announced him, you know, or before we announced him, fans were tracking 
his license plate with with yeah there, there was one they even saw the the patterns of the clouds in yeah. the sky and they said oh this was the cumulonimbus of, yeah of uh, like nottingham or yeah. so yeah, yeah yeah so the fans like like arsenal football fans when, when we're rumored to sign a player they'll start tracking private flights they'll start tracking literal traffic cam footage and and you know they're they're, they're we're banter fc is what we've been known as in this uh, a little bit of a darker period in our franchise's history because no one's got jokes, no one's got comments, and no one has passion like the Arsenal faithful, like the Gooners. Am I right, Brad? Yeah, and I think that's true in, in Philly. Uh, in Philadelphia, you know, I, I, I'm obviously a fan of Arsenal, but I've been to the other teams' pubs, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I've seen what they how they show up. And, and nobody shows up like Arsenal fans in Philadelphia. Yep. I can guarantee you that. Yep. And, and now let's, let's look a little bit more towards this specific Arsenal team that we have heading into the 2020-2021 season. It is uh, Mikel Arteta's first full season as manager. Uh, what are expectations like, Bradley? Uh, what are you expecting going into this year? Um, I'm expecting to, us to get back in the top four. Um, it's mm-hmm. been four seasons since, we, since we've been in the top four. Mm-hmm. Uh, before that, 20 seasons straight, we yep. were in the top four under Arsene Wenger. Um, kind of had a buffer period with switching new managers last season. Uh, like you said, our full, first full season uh, with Arteta in the Premier League. Um, new style of play. Uh, there's a newfound belief, I think, in, in our team. Um, I think everyone's finally buying into the program. Um, I think we're starting to see more backing from our board uh, with the, you know, the record signing of Pepe last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's an exciting time to be an Arsenal fan. Um, it's an exciting time, like the players say, to play for Arsenal. Um, you know, I, I think you know, out of all the clubs in the Premier League, um, you know, there's a lot of fire in Arsenal right now. And I think we have a, a solid chance to make top four, top three. Mm-hmm. And, you know, me, me and you are on the same page of this, uh, something that we don't like. And that's, that's you know, you, you see it a lot in Arsenal fans, but me and you don't like it anywhere it comes. And that's that sort of, like, loser fan, you know what I mean? Arsenal, you know, as, as Bradley just mentioned, uh, has been on a little bit of a skid the last couple of years, the last four seasons. They haven't made the Champions League, uh, have not finished in the top four in the Premier League for the first time in a 20-year gap that we did it every single season. And in that time, you know, Arsenal has gotten a bit of a reputation as a team that chokes or hilariously messes up and, and screws up, you know, big matches or, or big chances and this and that. And, and you know, uh, me and you both hate people that fall into that. Right. You know, that they'll just sit there and they're watching Arsenal and they're going like, oh, I can't, you know, uh, oh, oops, we're, we're up one nothing now, but in a minute someone's going to slip. And, uh, uh, you know, you don't want to be expecting that or else why are you watching? But I do think there's been a reason why that's been the case the last couple of years. I don't think it's just karma or bad luck or something like that. You know, it's really a result of of the state that we let the team get into. You know, we kept players too long, uh, both in terms of age, uh, let them run down their contracts. And sometimes we held on to players that, that were not good enough. Right. For that top four, you know? Yeah, those the, the Wenger out years. That was, yep. was pretty tough. Uh, banter FC, you mm-hmm. know, uh, Arsenal fans, um, another reason to love them. Uh, very clever bunch. Uh, the banter is phenomenal. So hopefully the banter years are behind us and, you know, we have this newfound belief that, you know, we could actually make a run at the title. Yeah, I think we finally, you know, it's it's going to be a journey, of course, and, and we keep being compared to Liverpool to the run they did under Jurgen Klopp after the Brendan Rodgers years and right. sort of, you know, it was a transition. It takes a couple seasons. You need to do some smart deals, good buying and selling. But what I think is important is that uh, with Arteta, with Edu, and and at the very least, just kind of it seems with the the mindset of the club right now is that they're they're willing to make tough decisions. You know, they are willing to to kind of do the thing that's hard in the short term, but uh, advantageous in the long term. For instance, I think if we had this mindset a couple years ago, 
I think both Alexis and Mezzadozo would have played their contracts down to the end at the Emirates and been gone. And we wouldn't have had the whole Alexis Mikkeltarian swap, which left us with a, with a costly flop in Mikkeltarian. And we wouldn't have that crazy Ozil deal that we're still dealing with today. You know, um, I, I, for instance, uh, a young man named Ainsley Matlin-Niles, a, a midfielder who's who's been in the Arsenal uh, program and, and was in our academy since age six. He was rumored to be sold a couple weeks ago. And it seems like that that rumor has cooled now. But now Hector Bellerin, uh, a man that I love. I mean, Bradley like to joke around about a bit. He likes to make fun of my love for him. But, uh, you know, he's on the selling block now, too, it seems. And, and Hector Bellerin is someone who's been at Arsenal for years, you know, and, and isn't the type of guy that two years ago we would maybe sell for the, for the greater good of building a stronger team. So, you know, I, I do feel like we've started uh, 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 started initiating sort of that tough mindset that we need to kind of do the, the hard work into improving the team long term. Yeah, for sure. And that's required in the Premier League. Um, you know, you see these teams that are winning it now, the Man Cities, the, the Liverpools, Chelsea of, of you know, years past. Um, you know, they've been cutthroat. Uh, they're, they're not afraid to splash money. You know, and, and I, I think Arsenal is finally, you know, making that turn. And I think in the next few years, we'll, we'll definitely compete for the title. Let me ask you this, Bradley, uh, uh, real quick. I, I just want what, you know, that that top. I agree with you. I think it's a very realistic ability that Arsenal can finish in the top four this year. I, I don't think that's a, a fan's pipe dream, you know, nor do I think that it, it's necessarily some easy gone conclusion that accomplishing it should be, you know, uh, just assumed. Sure. Uh, so I'm just asking you what. Could you see happening with the team, um, like you know, uh, stuff, product on the field, things like that? W- what could you see happening that results in our, our best case scenario, that top four finish? What do you think maybe needs to happen? Certain players stepping up, whatnot, and what could you see being what happens that leads us into being, you know, another sixth, seventh place type of year that that's a major disappointment? What do you think we need to look for this year? Yeah, sure. It's not going to be easy. You know, we did finish eighth last season, um, but we have a complete new defense. Um, mm-hmm. We have William Saliba coming in. Very excited to see him oh, play. Can't wait. Um, Gabriel Magalhaes coming in. I uh, hope I said that name right. Um, Way yeah, better but, attempt than I'd have given, so I applaud it. And I think, you know, I'm, you can agree with me, but defense was our number one yep. request probably. And, mm-hmm. you know, it seems like we've handled that. I'm confident in the guys that we signed. Um, and the next up is midfield. Um, you know, I'd like to see us bring in a center midfielder, a creative player who can, you know, make some plays, create some chances for us. Um, Aubameyang definitely needs some more service up top. Um, you know, so it'll be interesting. Uh, I think, you know, best case scenario, I can see us finishing, you know, second. I can see us mm-hmm. finishing second, but it's going to be tough. Yeah, I, I can see that. I, I think my my personal big prediction that's that's mixed with some some hopefulness is is third place this year I think right behind City and 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 Liverpool and sort of beating out a Chelsea or a United it'll be sort of a big win and something very very doable um and then real quick just you know we, we hopefully not the best what, what are some things that you could worry about for this year I would say the the ways that I could see Arsenal going bust this year most likely would be obviously some injuries as, as could be for anyone I'd say if we overly depend and count on a Shaka Sabayos midfield again. Yeah. Uh, and I would say, you know, if we're over dependent on Gabriel and, and Saliba kind of jumping yeah. right in immediately, we need Louise to sort of uh, yeah. be, be a good presence for a few games. We're going to need Rob Holding to probably play some, some good football for a while. Yeah, um, you know, it's a lot of new faces. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a new manager, whole new fresh season. So a lot does need to go right. Um, but again, there's, there's this new belief in the club. I think everyone's buying in the program, you know, it's not going to be easy, but you know, I, I got a very good feeling about it. 
All right, now to, to wrap up some of our Arsenal talk for this portion, I just want to go over Arsenal last year, you know, part of their up and down, you know, I was about to call it an exciting season, but, you know, eighth place certainly isn't exciting. Um, but, you know, you know, a season with highs and lows, a big part of that highs was Arsenal's youth. Arsenal, I believe in general, has like one of the younger yeah, definitely, squads. definitely one of the younger, not the youngest, yeah. but definitely one of the younger squads I mean, out there. Because we do have some some veterans in there, like a Louise and an Aubameyang, but but yeah. we certainly have one of the most exciting young cores in the Premier League in terms of just young players and academy guys. I wanted to go through that list of guys and just kind of go guy by guy and, you know, yeah, sure. get, give our opinion. So let's start with... Um, let's start with the, the man, Saka. Saka. Number, let's start with Bakayo Saka. Yes, Arsenal's number seven now. Yeah, um, love this kid. Loved him since the first game I seen him. Um, you know, what can he do? He can play with his left foot, right foot. He can score with both. Um, you know, he can assist. Uh, mm-hmm. He can play on the. He can play at wing back. He can play centrally. I feel. Um, you know, he can be as a forward. Um, I love this kid. I'm excited. I've told you this before, Lucas. I think he can become the best English player in the world at some point. Yeah, I I really think that Saka. You know, he, wasn't he like the Europa League's? like top assister this year, despite getting bounced in what, like the round of 16, the yes, round of eight, like, yes, he was, that's crazy. And he's 18 years old. You know, he's eight, like in soccer, that that's something that, that happens a lot of times, ladies and gentlemen, is that soccer might've just turned 19, his birthday. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think his, I think his birthday was literally yesterday. You right, are right. right but, right. but all the stuff I'm bragging about happened when he was 18. Right. Thank you for catching me. Cause you know, there would have been some sticklers out there, but his sticklers, yeah. I was technically right. You assholes. So but, but Saka, the thing that makes him so great is that he's producing now. You know, in soccer, because of the fact that the, the wonder kids and the prospects can get real game time, you know, sometimes there will be a 17-year-old who's flashing phenomenally, and he's a top prospect, but that doesn't mean he's ready to, to contribute right now. Right. You, you know what I'm saying? Right. Saka started a, a lot of games this year and was a top assist man. He wasn't just, you know, making cool dribbles here and there. He was legitimately instrumental into almost anything good that Arsenal did this year on attack. Yeah, definitely one of, uh, if not the most exciting player coming up this, this season. So exciting mm-hmm. for him. So then let's go Let's go back uh, to another exciting one with Gabriel Martinelli, one that we bought last summer from Brazil. This guy, I mean, he could even be – what I always say about Saka is, uh, and Martinelli is Saka – I am uh, Martinelli is a Brazilian, by the way, but Saka, I'm positive, is going to just be a player. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I could see him being, like, you know, Arsenal's best player. One of the best in the Premier League. Martinelli could be the, one of the best players in the world. Yeah. Potentially, you know? Yeah, and he, and he has a love for this club. Um, you know, I, I think he, the other day he came out and said he wants to be a legend here. Um, you know, he, he wants uh, a statue of himself out front. Mm-hmm. He wants to win the Champions League. He wants to, you know, so it's not only this guy's ability on the field. Um, you know, if you haven't seen him, watch out for him. But his mentality, he is a uh, you know, focused, very mentally strong kid. Uh, so very, very excited for him. I remember uh, I remember reading an article about him last summer when we got him where they talked about how he scored his first goal in the Brazilian second division when he was 16, which is crazy, by the way. That's like a, a 16-year-old playing AAA baseball. You know what I mean? Even harder, probably. This kid scored his first goal in the Brazilian second division when he was 16, and his teammates afterwards were like, oh, Martinelli, like, you scored your first goal. Come out with us. We're hitting the clubs. We're hitting the bars. Like, let's go celebrate. Martinelli was like, nah, I have a math test tomorrow. Like, I'm going to go study. You fucking kidding me? He didn't have the test then. He could have taken the test the next day and gotten whatever. This kid wanted to pass the test. That's the exact sort of, like, little antidote that I, I look. Yeah. I, Martinelli's going to be 29 in an Arsenal 
I have a statue outside of the Emirates already, and I'm going to be talking about how it's all because of that math test that he's studying for and after his game against Corinthians in 2019. Yep. He has that Arsenal attitude that that I love. You know, the, the classiness, um, just an overall, like, passionate soccer player. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those are the guys you want in your team. Yep. And then we have uh, a couple more guys here, here to get through. We have uh, Joe Willock. What do you think of young Joe Willock, Bradley? Uh, Joe, you know, it's a big year for him. This mm-hmm. is, this is a prove it year for him. You know, obviously I want to, I want to hold on to him for the year. I don't think alone is the best move for him right now. Um, you know, he, he got a lot of minutes in Europa and the cup games. Um, so it's, it's a prove it year for him. You know, I do, out of all the young guys, um, I think he is on the lower side of the totem pole, but you know, we'll see. Mm-hmm. I think I agree with you. I think he's in the and one thing I love about you, Bradley, is that you are a, uh, a tough critic on Arsenal in a fair way. You know, some people practically hate their favorite teams. You're not one of those, but you're you're not somebody that just is all hugs and kisses with anyone when they put on the Arsenal jersey. You know, right. they got to earn that. Yeah. And the thing with Joe is that I, I, I agree with you. He's on the lower side of the totem pole just because of the way some of these other guys have performed already. But Willock's in the toughest position of any of them. He's, he's a pure central midfielder. Central mid in the Premier League is a brutal competitive zone. You know, it's fast-paced. It's hard-hitting. You need to make decisions like that. I just snapped my fingers. I hope that read on the microphone. But but Willock, I, I do think, could really have potential to be sort of a, a creative and defensive, like, engine in the midfield. Like, yeah. The, he, the, it feels like the game needs to slow down a bit for him. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a lot of skill, a lot of potential, but it's one of those things where I feel like the game just needs to slow down, and I think that only comes with experience. That's why I don't want to loan him out to you know some club in, in the English league too. You mm-hmm. know, I, I want to I want to keep him and you know allow him to play Arsenal football. Yep, I agree, and, and I think he certainly has a lot of room to grow. I, this next guy I'm bringing up is one that me and you are a lot lower on than the rest of the fan base, and Reese Nelson. Mm-hmm. Before we get to Reese, just to use that as like a, a transition, I would say that Willock, I believe, has high a higher like like I'm more patient with him than Reese because I feel like he yeah. has that harder transition to make and he hasn't been given as much time as Reese. Yeah. Reese ended the season decently. You know, mm-hmm. I, I gotta give it to Reese. I'm tough on him. I'm probably the toughest. Um, you know, sometimes I refer to him as the Alex Awobi. Mm-hmm. You know, he seems timid at times. Uh he doesn't seem decisive, you know, that passionate uh, that I'm you know, passion I'm talking about from Martinelli. Um, you know, he, he seems almost too uh, reserved at times. I'd like to see him be more aggressive. And, you know, again, we'll be looking out for that in this, this season. Yeah, I think, you know, the, and, and me and you have agreed on that that Alex Iwobi, uh line before. I, I would say the one thing that I give Reese over Iwobi is that Reese seems to be at least, and, and, you know, I mean elite as a prospect, not elite total package, but like an elite finishing prospect from the standpoint that he's always in the right place at the right time. Yeah, I agree. You know, he, he, he clinically finishes like a Wobie. That was always part of his issue is that he's a great dribbler passing. The final third. Yeah. Yeah. He couldn't do anything like, you know, he couldn't make the right pass. He couldn't make the right shot. So I, I will at least give Reese that. Um, also a youngster who, who has kind of slipped my mind a little bit there and kind of speaks to him is Eddie, Eddie and Kentia. Eddie and Kentia, maybe. Shout yeah. out, shout out Zah. From oh, yeah. Barstool Zah, the midget Zimbo. Because I swear, like three years ago, he said that this was his favorite player. And we were like, who? Yeah. And then he got subbed on and scored yeah. like a game-winning header in Europa. And, you know, it's been Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. ever since. So. And I love Eddie. Eddie. Eddie's Arsenal through and through, baby. Yeah, he is. He is. Another, another Englishman coming yep. up. You know, it's another English core. All um, these guys are British besides Martinelli that we've mentioned, which is incredible. Right, yeah. So, I, another reason to love Arsenal. 
but you know, Eddie is another talk about a clinical finisher. Yeah. I, I love this kid. Um, I think he's going to be great. I can see him being our number nine in the future. Mm. Once Lacazette kind of moves on yep. from the situation. Reminds and, me and, a lot. Yeah. So, you know, Eddie is uh, Eddie and Ketia, someone to keep your uh, eye on this year for sure. I just feel like Eddie is just solid. You know what I mean? Like he reminds me of a great like left tackle where like he's not sexy. You know, Eddie Nketi is never going to be dribbling through 15 guys on his way to a Lionel Messi Maradona impression goal. But that guy's just going to be Arsenal's leading the front line. He's going to press. He's going to be in the right place at the right time. He's going to have a great shot. And I, I just think he's going to be the kind of guy that's just going to always be getting it done for Arsenal. You know, I think he's going to have a great career here. I agree. And then uh, the last guy that I wanted to bring up that I also almost forgot about is Emile Smith-Rowe. My guy. Yeah, that's Bradley's guy. This is his first year seemingly – now, this is the kind of guy who's had a lot of hype for a while now coming up in Arsenal. Yeah. And it seems like this will be the first year that he's given a real shot at the first team, no? Yeah, uh, midfield player. um, You know, it'll be Mm -hmm. interesting to see who we bring in. Um, as of now, we have you know it's a little bit of a different position, but we have a guy Mohamed El Nani who's mm-hmm. you know back in our lineup. Who yep. played, who played great the other day. Yeah. Um, but you know, if we don't bring in any new midfielders, you know, give them give the boy a shot. You mm-hmm. know, I, I, he's very talented. Um, yep. Very talented midfielder. Uh, he w- t- went to loan on, in the Bundesliga. Yeah. Uh, RB Leipzig, and yep. then and then came last year to uh, the championship and the played Huddersfield, for Huddersfield, right? Huddersfield, yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I think he actually uh, scored a, a huge goal to keep them from being relegated uh, towards the end of the season, um, which was pretty exciting. Yeah, I do think he had a bit of a – I think he was like this year's Mason Mount where he just had a great run down in the championship, you right. know what I mean, and, and a British homegrown guy. I, he, he's mainly a, a 10, an attacking midfielder, but he also plays sort of a hybrid number eight role yeah, that I, yeah, I, I've yeah, seen his, him do. He, you know, not saying he's anywhere near this guy, but his his role model is Kevin De Bruyne, um, yeah. the easily the best player in the Premier League. And mm-hmm. you know, if there's someone you, you want to mimic your game off of, you know, it's him. So certainly, certainly. And then uh, uh, one one very last bit on Arsenal because I did kind of realize we forgot to mention this off the top, and then after this we will transition onward. I promise, dear listeners. But uh, what what do you think of the Willian move, Bradley? This summer, Arsenal brought in. Willian, longtime uh, winger and attacking midfielder for Chelsea, a, 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 a Brazilian player, almost said yeah. German, almost said British, uh, and, and we brought him in on a free to Arsenal. It was a bit of a polarizing move in the fan base. What did you think, Brad? Yeah, um, mixed emotions at first. I've always been a big fan of Willian. Um, again, he has that passion that I'd love to see, first and foremost, um, and he's a, a clinical player. He can assist, he can score, he can do it all. He can play centrally, he can play out on the wing. Um, you know, I don't, my negative feelings toward it probably came from, uh, you know, just another old guy, another old Brazilian coming from Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, David Luiz, he, I know, <laughs> I think that guy cost me five years of my life last season. And who even um, knows how much money gambling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but um, no, I, I think it's a great pickup. We needed a winger. Um, you know, we needed, I, I think, you know, signing an older guy, it's always, you know, we, you like to play young, but, you know, he's someone that I think is bought into the program. He wanted to come to play for Arsenal. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's someone I'm happy to have on the team. Yep, and then and then just my quick thoughts. I agree all the way, th- way through there with you. I just think Willian, A, is a winner, comes from Chelsea, all, all that. You know, he's got a long history of winning there. He's yep. a good locker room guy. Yep. B, he is a, a – um, uh, he's a, a 
he's got a very strong work uh, work ethic and right. work. What do they call work rate? That's yeah. what I'm looking for. They're, yeah, soccer they always use very specific terms. He's got a high work rate. Yeah, he's the he's the guy that Arteta you know will love. Yeah, he's not lazy. He always fights for the ball. You know, I, right. I'm fine bringing in an older guy if it's a guy that's known to work hard. Because what do you worry about with old guys? Is that they're just there to collect money and to rest their legs up. You know. Yep. And then number C, the the third part of why I really like the William deal is just that I actually thought his age lined up perfectly with us. So me and you just ran down. Arsenal's got a lot of exciting young talent. We don't want to sign some giant big name guy in his prime up top that's going to take away minutes and be a permanent stopgap in front of Saka and Martinelli and and, and Reese Nelson for years and years. Really, with a guy like William, you know the the end is in sight for him. So these guys aren't going to feel like they're never going to have a chance. And with him being older, you're going to want to stagger his minutes a bit. He's going to be yeah. perfect for those sorts and, of. And who better for all these young English guys to learn from than yep. you know a guy like William? So mm-hmm. you know, I think he, it's great fit. And he has the Premier League experience, which I don't think you can ever put a price right. tag on, especially older guy. You yeah, know, that's key. That's key. yeah, yeah. We know how we'll do in this league. Um, I now wanted to take us, Bradley. You know, during that Arsenal bit, we talked a lot about our passion. And about our, our our high standards and whatnot, and and unfortunately because of that passion and that high standards, me and you can get angry easily. We are easy targets to instigate. We are easy people to annoy. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about things that bother us about the soccer Twitter community, about about U.S. soccer fans, about commentators. First, before we get into all of that, let's not talk about Sam's Army Barstool Soccer. That was number one on my list. <laughs> That was number one on my list. This guy, Bradley. Okay, now now let me make this part clear. Sam's Army. I'm is, coming for you. It's Barstool Soccer correspondent. He is a Tottenham fan. So there is a heated rivalry here. Bradley isn't just a lunatic who hates anyone. I mean, Sam's Army inadvertently has been instigating Bradley for years. I will say yeah. this. There was a weekend last, last fall, I believe, where me and Bradley were out on the town pre-COVID. We had a couple drinks. Bradley added a man on Snapchat named Sam's Army. I don't think it was the same Sam because every weekend <laughs> Brad would send him right. just he would send him videos, he would send him he'd send him little text messages just talking shit on on Arsenal Tottenham just furious. Furious. And this guy would just come back and be like like, who is this? Like, you know who this is. Yeah, yeah. yeah you would know. You you would well, always hold his feet to the flames. Now, I don't want to be too hard on this Sam's Army guy over at Barstool, uh, but he personifies, uh, you know, these stereotypes of, of U.S. soccer fans. Um, the days when you know you, we'd grow up and be like, "Oh, I don't want to play soccer because you know you're a you're a foot fairy." Mm-hmm. Like he he, he, <laughs> he he plays too much into that. People like soccer now. Stop yeah. playing into that. Just be just be likable. Be a good you know reporter, whatever you are, and mm-hmm. just stick to that. Why do you have to do these silly little like I'm a soccer fan wink? And, and I don't mean to, you know, and, and I, at the, in my mind at this point, I'm not even talking about Sam's army anymore, but, but I, I think he does this a little bit. And this is something that just drives me nuts with American soccer fans in general is that they just stick cliches from our shitty American sports media into soccer. Like, bro, I don't want there to be a Skip Bayless of soccer. You know what I mean? I don't want there to be a Max Kellerman of soccer. So don't take those dumb tired cliches and just try to shoehorn these narratives into this sport you're just watching now. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And I think it's also maybe because that Americans just, you know, like their football team's more important to them than their football team. So I think that's why they do that more. But Americans are the ones that I'm talking about that when they're talking about their soccer fans or their soccer teams, they'll always just be so down to portray themselves as losers. 
and it drives me. It, I'm a I'm a Minnesota Timberwolves fan. They've made the playoffs once in my like 12 years of being a fan. You know what I don't do? Talk about how the Timberwolves are bad. I talk about how every year it's the Timberwolves year and they're going to make the playoffs because why else am I fucking watching them? You know what I mean? But these American fans will go and cheer for fucking whatever team and they'll just sit there and be like, oh, oh shucks, like, hope, come on, guy. Oh, we let in a goal. Ha ha, we stink. Fuck you, dude. Ah, oh, oh, my God. And the commentators, Bradley. Some yeah. of the commentators. I know you have names. I don't want this to sound like I have a hit list and like <laughs> I'm some crazy man, but maybe I am. But this guy on NBC Sports and – I'm not sure if you know his name, Danny Higginbottom. I've heard this guy. He's not now. He's not with Arlo White and Lee mm-hmm. Dixon, Graham Lasso. Those are the three main guys on the mm-hmm. music sports here. Uh, Lee Dixon, former Gunner, um, but these other commentators, they hate Arsenal. They hate them so just, much. Just, just like American fans know that Joe Buck loves the Yankees. The Yankees can't do anything wrong when there's a Joe Buck. And you're a Yankees which, fan, which, which I love. I yeah. love. I love. I appreciate. But being on the other hand, these commentators this guy Danny Higginbottom from Manchester played for Manchester United he hates Arsenal Arsenal would a guy would come in and snap one of our Pepe's leg in half and it'd be like oh Pepe's diving I, I honestly ma'am and look LD prides himself on being unbiased LD has never blamed the referees for a loss of a game in his life even when the replacement ref screwed the Green Bay Packers out of that game in Seattle you know LD does not do that kind of thing these announcers it isn't even funny, guys. It, it isn't even able to be hidden. I'll watch a game where Arsenal wins, you know, 2 nothing against against Everton. And the announcers will be like, oh, really, Arsenal? Just didn't really deserve that result. Uh, uh, mighty lucky to be getting three points here at all. And then I'll watch Liverpool, you know, win 3-2 against Brighton Hove Albion. And those same announcers, this is what drives Liverpool apart. You've got to win every match. Liverpool, they win dirty. Even even when it's not beautiful, even when Mo Salah isn't running up the, the, the side like a gazelle in heat. Yeah, Liverpool still... F- Fuck you. Like, what are you talking... What are we talking about, man? Like, any time... Like, oh, man. A game will just start and immediately immediately the announcers will just be like, Arsenal's really asking for a goal in this one. Huh? What? It's every game. Oh, my goodness. It's brutal. And that's and we're not even talking about uh, – what, what's that sodden wanker and uh, a referee's name? Dean Smith? Yeah. Oh, my that, – that guy's actually just a Tottenham fan, isn't he? Yeah. The last season, um, they he should have awarded us a clear penalty, went to VAR. They looked at it 900 different ways. And then, the you know, because Dean Smith, the guy on the field, doesn't make the call for the VAR. Someone – there's a VAR referee. Mm-hmm. And he tells Dean Smith, award the, award the penalty. And he gives this frown. He's like, do I have to? <laughs> I mean, guys, you're not listening to two Arsenal fans, you know, rant and rave right now. These are facts. This is, this is the truth. You know, this is Sherlock Holmes leading an investigation. There is a conspiracy at the heart of the Premier League to stop Arsenal. But now let's move on a little further. We're going to continue the rage, the anger, the passion. We're going to talk about teams we don't like, our least favorite Premier League teams. For me, there is a core four, Bradley. How many do you have? Number one, at one and only, maybe. (laughs) Is who? Maybe there's two. Okay, all right. 
obviously Tottenham. I cannot stand this team. Everything about them. Oh, yeah, they're floppers. The, they're the biggest flopping team that Kyung I've ever Ming seen. Sung and Harry Kane. Forget about a strong breeze. A weak breeze ends up with these lads on their, on their arses in the middle of the, the penalty zone. I've never seen something like it before. And, and we spent year after year, 20-plus years, uh, St. Tottenham's Day, above them in the table. Mm-hmm. One season they go above us, and, and they all, all these Tottenham fans do the same thing. Uh, the power shift. There's a power shift in North London. Not even that, Bradley. Tottenham fans will make fun of Arsenal fans for celebrating the winning of the FA Cup or the Community Shield because they'll talk about how easy it is and how it doesn't count. You can't even do that! What are we talking about here? You cannot make fun of something for being too easy that you yourself cannot do. Hey, Tottenham fans, you want to stick it to Arsenal? You want to rub one in our, our, our faces? Win the FA Cup for me one time. Get Harry Kane a trophy of some sort. You know, you guys made a DVD bragging about the fact that you made it to the semi or that you were the runner-up in the Champions League. That's all you have to celebrate. Don't forget the Audi Cup. Yeah, they 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 were like bragging on Twitter that they won a preseason tournament. What are we talking and then, about and here, then guys? They, then they bring in. The worst, Matt. I cannot stand this guy. Oh, the unspecial one. That's Sodden Wanker, Jose Mourinho. They bring him in. That's the icing on the cake for me. Guys, I mean, once again, we're not talking about bias, this and that, blah, blah, blah. Of course, these Arsenal fans are going to hate Tottenham. They're going to hate Jose Mourinho. Jose Mourinho used to to dial up Roman Abramovich at Chelsea with a special phone where all he had to do was enter the numbers of how many hundreds of millions of euros he wanted to spend on any given summer. And then Orson Wenger would, would, would buy Mesut Ozil, spending money for the first time in a generation. And what does Jose Mourinho do? Oh, that Arsenal, they're trying to buy the league. Fuck you, Jose. Yeah, and he's, he's always coming at his players. I, I always oh, yeah. feel like uh, people talk about him, you know, former players either hate him or love him. And, like, he's a, some players manager. He'll, he's the first one yeah. to call out his players. Tangy and Dembele. They, yeah. they dropped, like, 70 million on that guy. And, and Jose was like, oh, that's not my style. No. He doesn't give a shit. He doesn't. He's not flexible. He doesn't work hard or try hard at all. How about America's darling? Oh yeah. Now, well, also for the record, Tottenham. So we're gonna get. So America. I have issues with America with all of these. Tottenham is a team that America loves because they have a lot of like British guys. That doesn't make any sense to me. Tottenham sucks. Stop rooting for Tottenham. Also, there's gonna be a little bit of a personal. No, you know what? I'm I'm holding that. But America's darling, Everton. Fuck Everton and absolutely go to hell. Any American that, like, here's my problem with Everton is that Everton is just the also ran of the Premier League, but they're not even that anymore. The reason why Americans love Everton is because Americans wake up one day and they say, oh, right, I'm going to get into soccer now. And they go to the Premier League and they say, man, well, I don't want to just pick one of the good teams. If I just say I I like Manchester United, that makes me a Yankees fan. No, I want to be a part of some movement. I want to be a part of some story. I'm going to pick one of the other guys. And then they just always pick Everton. Everton is the guy of the other guys. Like these people are dying to be different, but they all pick the same thing. Am I wrong, Brad? 100% correct. Oh, my God. And, And Everton stinks, dude. They're not even like they used to be team number seven in the Premier League. 
there's a big top six in the Premier League. If you're listening to this and you don't know much about soccer, the Premier League, the big six in the Premier League are Manchester City, Manchester United, Liverpool, Tottenham, Arsenal, and Chelsea. Clear-cut six biggest teams, the six best teams. Everton used to be like a number seven. They're like number 10 now. I think number 11. They finished 12th last year, and teams ahead of them only got better. But for some reason, these Americans that are just dying for a, for a personality trait besides the beanies they wear and the uh, artisan coffee shops they peruse just latch on to Everton. Yeah, I, I agree. This is, this is my analogy for this. Everton fans are like Landon Donovan. Yeah. And like Arsenal fans and like you, you pick another club are like the Christian Pulisic. Mm-hmm. Just a complete world of a difference in level. Yep. Yep. That's very fair, Bradley. That is very, very fair. I admit, uh, I mean, I, I don't have a horse in this race. And then, and then for me, there's two more teams that I hate. I hate Manchester United. They're just, and no offense, Bradley, they're the Yankees of, of the Premier League. You know what I mean? They're the big brand, they're the big name. I've never even been to England, but just from Twitter, like their fans are insufferable. Manchester United leads the Premier Leagues in Twitter accounts where the avatar is just a player on the team. And like just every other word out of their mouth is like, oh, it ain't your man, you ain't got Harry Maguire. Like that's all their fans just like are these tr- like, I don't, and I don't mean trolls like the online internet version, like, like what that troll is. When I say Manchester United Twitter accounts are trolls, I mean the literal mythical creature monstrosities that used to hide under a bridge. I've never had a good interaction with a Manchester United fan. They're morons. Their answer to everything is Dubai. Jalen Sancho. And before that, it was by Alexi Sanchez. And look at how that turned out for him. And then for me, the other team that I despise is Chelsea. Chelsea sucks. Chelsea's fans sucks. There's a lot of American Chelsea fans for some reason. There are. I don't understand that. Chelsea's just another team that just buys the league. Look at them this summer. It isn't even funny. We're going to get to that in a little bit. We're going to break down the the, the top six. But Chelsea, like, like, it's not even fun. To, 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 to be a Chelsea fan. It's just, oh, oh, we were bad that year. We're going to buy, spend $200 million next summer, fire our manager, and do it all over again. Yeah, and, and they don't give their youth a chance. Oh, yeah, you, you big think, time. You think Frank Lampard would come in and, and mm-hmm. you know, give some youth players a chance? Nope. He, he got a hold of Roman. I saw this on Twitter. I think Roman Ivanovich's debit card and said, I'm not looking back. Yeah, man. I mean, I mean, Tammy Abraham, Mason Mount, uh, Colin Munson, Adoy, these guys, like, they got to be feeling like, what the hell? What do I got to do? And, and it's not, and you know, it kind of goes back to what I said about William earlier. The guys that Chelsea brought in aren't old guys. Like, they're, they're guys that are going to be Timo Werner's hoping to play striker for the next decade. Sorry, Tammy Abraham, you know? I don't know, but yeah, fuck Chelsea. They're, they're awful too. And also, they're one of those teams that hasn't, that, that only started being good in like 2004. And, and no one, no one in America realizes that they just got a ton of money since then. So they'll be like, oh, I like this new team, this new cool squad in the mix. The other, in the other end, like Liverpool, I know they're the, the big man move now, but I just don't hate them. The passion's not there for me. Right. Man City, Man it's, City's like a fake brand. Yeah, when we talk about class with Arsenal, um, I think Liverpool uh, is up there. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the Scousers, but, you know, they, they have some of the best fans in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the most historic clubs. Um, and, you know, Jurgen Klopp, you got to love the guy. Yeah, yeah, I can't hate Jurgen. Uh, now, now let's start talking about the, uh, the rest of the big six. Now that we've trashed Everton and, and taken care of all of that, we'll do a little Everton talk. After the big six, we're going to do a little general Premier League talk. we got a little more for you, Everton. But 
talking big six, let's start with um, let's start with Chelsea. I guess we were just talking about them. Yeah. Uh, Chelsea finished what last season? Uh, fourth or third, I believe. Fourth. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because United finished third. So Chelsea last year was their first year under Frank Lampard, club legend, coming in as manager. They were dealing with a bit of a transfer ban for a while. That obviously, so so last year we saw a lot of their younger guys get shots that they wouldn't normally. Uh, now, and now it's obviously up this year, and they broke the bank once again. Bradley, you want to read that name of or that list of, of big names they they brought in? Yeah. So first they bring in Timo Werner. This guy is unbelievable. Yeah. Um, you know he's going to be pretty dangerous. Um, so Liverpool and Bayern have been dying for him the yeah. last couple of years. He's yeah. been leading RB Leipzig's. Top line, he's a striker, he's German, I believe he's around 23 years old, just yep. an unbelievable player. And uh, actually, I think before they brought in Werner um, from Ajax, um, this winger, this player is incredible. Hakim Zayic, mm-hmm. um, hopefully I'm saying that name right, um, but this guy, man, he can put the ball on a string. Yeah. He, he can pass it all over the field. Um, he's got the creative flair I love. Um, you know, their attack going forward. Um, and then they add uh, Kai Havertz. Oh, yeah. Um, this guy, he's been at Bayer Leverkusen, uh, grew up in the academy there. Um, you know, he, just like uh, Erling Holland, he's one of the top young guys that's going to, you know, take the take the world by storm. In like four or five years, Kai Havertz is probably going to be like, you know, one of, one of those five like soccer players that everybody knows. You know what I mean? And then they brought in Thiago Silva on a free from PSG. Yeah. Now, now that is where I will say, and, you know, nothing but respect for Thiago Silva. He's a guy who's been doing it a really long time. Um, but but my my the one reason why I truly believe Arsenal has a chance to finish above Chelsea, and and that's not what this is all going to be. This this we're not looking at all of these teams through the lens of Arsenal. But but that is my big prediction this year is that Arsenal is going to finish third, beat Chelsea, because Chelsea had a worse defense than Arsenal last year. They were the one team in the league they had a really bad defense. They had some big defensive questions, and they didn't really address defense. They brought oh, – well, also, uh, and a big name that I somehow we, – we forgot to mention, Ben Chilwell. They added yeah. him as well. Huge right. deal. But Ben Chilwell is more of those – like, he's not an Aaron Wan-Bissaka. You know what I mean? He's more of one of those, like, a Bayerine type of uh, attacking fullbacks, you know? For sure. So I don't think Chilwell is going to turn that defense around, and I don't think Thiago Silva is going to turn that defense around. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting with Chelsea. Um, their, their firepower up front, like we just yeah. said, is pretty incredible. Uh, but, you know, you just wonder, um, you know, are they all going to be bought into the, you know, this uh, Frank Lampard reign, you know, mm-hmm. what's, what's that going to look like? You know, so, you know, like, I think I can see them finishing anywhere between first and, you know, seventh. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a, that's a great analogy. And, you know, um, obviously we got to talk a little bit about Christian Pulisic. Uh, there's a lot of Americans yeah. listening to this right now. We're American. Yeah. LD was wrong about Pulisic. I'll, I'll put my hand up. We were talking about this earlier in the podcast. I thought Pulisic, uh, compa- you know, when we were talking about Bukayo Saka, we were talking about prospects. I thought Pulisic was one of those guys that he was getting more attention than his current production warranted. Like, I thought he was more of a great prospect than a great player. He's already a great player. I was wrong about that. He 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 was unbelievable uh, once he got his chances this year. When he got his chances. Yeah. There, was, there was times throughout the season I'd be watching Chelsea and Frank, Lamp- he, Frank Lampard, he'd score a game-winning goal and Frank Lampard would drop him the next game. Yeah. I, I don't know if it was he was picked up a couple of nagels, but he, he's an incredible player. And, you know, I, it's going to be tough. You know, he's going to play on the wings. Yeah. You know, I think he obviously gets a lot more time than last year, but I wouldn't be surprised if Frank Lampard again um, hinders his growth. I mean, do we? 
I'm not positive if he is going to get more time than last year because they've added guys at his position. That's what I'm saying. That's why this doesn't make sense to me, what Chelsea did this summer. And that's another way that I could kind of see this season maybe falling short of of expectations for them is just, you know, that locker room chemistry stuff is is all real, obviously. And and I could see Chelsea having some issues with their chemistry this year. Yeah, a little bit of a catch um, because obviously we have ill will towards Chelsea. But you you, got to root for Christian and Mm -hmm. you got to love that kid. And, and you know, um, I will say this, too, about Chelsea wrapping them up uh, just because uh, we played them in the, F, or in the uh, FA Cup final. So I have a little bit of intel, I feel like, is teams were very successful when uh, making their midfield pair of Jorginho and Kovacic work really hard. Last year, Kovacic won their player of the year. He was an unbelievable guy. But both Jorginho and Kovacic, neither of them are phenomenal athletes or kind of, you know, defensive holding midfielders. So I feel like the more action you get and the more you kind of have to make them work defensively, you can kind of really wear down that team. That's, right. that's sort of a strategy to attack them, I believe. Yeah, I agree. Um, now let's move on to Tottenham, who we will be the most biased against uh, out of anyone in this. But truthfully, I don't even need to be because I don't like them this year. Neither do I. Yep. I got, I got them finishing outside top four easily. Definitely. I, I'd say – hopefully missing a Europa spot. Yeah, I mean, I I, I truly think they're going to uh, be the worst of the big six this year. I think they're going to be in sort of a, a battle for, for sixth place, that sort of thing with, with Leicester and the Wolves of the world. Uh, honestly, I didn't think they were that good last year. The place shows that, and they have not done much to improve this year. You know, they added uh, Matt Doherty right back from uh, Wolves, who is most notable because he trashed Arsenal in his announcement video. Well, he was an he Arsenal, Arsenal fan. He was an Arsenal fan growing up. Yeah. And their their announcement video. This is Tottenham. This yeah. Is, this is you know small they, club mentality. They're they're announcing this guy's um, them putting up a video of him deleting all of his old uh, Arsenal love tweets, which you know, wow. Oh. And then they added uh, Pierre Emil Hoijberg from uh, Southampton, Southampton, which yeah. is. Just the most Mourinho signing of like like when when they first announced they were they were bringing in Jose Mourinho LD was actually working uh, for a football like like humor site for a little while and I just kept putting out that that oh Mourinho's coming he's gonna love Eric Dyer Eric Dyer's gonna be Mourinho and it was true like Mourinho just loves big sluggish slabs of white males who can stand in the midfield and. Hold space. Yeah, he, he loved Eric Dyer. He was playing Eric Dyer all over the pitch. Yeah, it was crazy. It didn't make sense to anyone. And, and I just don't think that Tottenham team is well designed for Mourinho's type of slow, methodical, park-the-bus football. Yeah, um, you know, out of the top six teams, you know, I, I think a good amount of them progressed. Uh, I don't think Tottenham really no. you know, took a step up. Like yeah. Teams did. Now, now, I will say um, – uh, La Celso was a big success for them last year as a signing. And I could see Ryan Sessegnon, who they signed from Fulham the previous year. He was a younger uh, British talent. I believe he's around, he was around 18 when they signed him. Yeah. That That's a good guy that they got last year that, you know, could be growing into things. That's a Sessegnon's a name to remember for this year, a guy yeah. that could maybe maybe be part of them overperforming, that yeah. sort of thing. And I think Harry Kane was injured a little bit last year. Um, so, you know, if you get a full season out of that guy, he's, you know, he's capable yeah. of scoring 25 goals easily. So And and shooting 12, 15 PKs, but, you yeah. know. And, you know, half of those being, uh, you know, dives. Yeah, let, let me make that clear as well. Certain Tottenham fans love to say, like, well, no, Arsenal, you guys dive. You know, there are literally numbers about how many more penalties Tottenham take than Arsenal. That's, like, not something you can just argue. You know, like, Arsenal shoots – 
less PKs than the rest of the top six. So you can't just then make up that they're flopping. (laughs) Just saying. But anyway, on to United. On to the Yankees. Now, United... They so United were in for Arsenal's man Gabriel towards the end. It seems they fell fell on him. Yep. They were really heavily attached to Jalen Sancho over the summer. Jaden, uh, sorry. It seems like that is 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 not happening this summer at this point. Right. Uh, the, yeah, Dorman's the, pretty set on uh, keeping him. Yep. The transfer window is open until October, but you know I, it does not look like that's happening this summer. Their big addition uh, was Donny Van de Beek from from Ajax. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, kids, kids, a player, kids, an absolute player. You know him in the midfield with mm-hmm. Bruno Fernandez. That's that's going to be dangerous. Um, but you know their forwards. You know Martial is is really hot or cold. Mm-hmm. Um, Marcus Rashford, you never know what you're going to get out of him. Yeah. Uh, you know Mason Greenwood, hell of a player, but you know again he you know still I think yeah, has something young. to prove. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. You know I I I'd like to see you know Man United I, I, top four. I don't know. I, I will say I, I I do they are a big question mark for me, Man United, going into this year. And and there's a couple reasons for that. First off, they suffer a bit from the same thing as Chelsea, in my opinion, where uh Donny Van de Beek, great player, plays at a position of abundance for them. Plays like the same exact position as Bruno Fernandes, kind of. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I I just think, you know, it's one of those you know, one of those uh examples sort of maybe adding strengths rather than addressing weaknesses and and that could maybe you know I don't know how much better Donny van de Beek makes them than they were last year right secondly uh they, they were a very streaky team last year they were really bad the first half of the year and then the second half of the year they were really like like unbelievably lights out good like dominant good and part of that was Bruno Ferdinand being unbelievable part of that was Mason Greenwood being unbelievable uh, another name that was, you know, was very good for them was their manager, Ali Gunnar Solskjaer. And that's somebody who I personally do not believe in. And I don't think he's a great manager. I feel like they've gotten hot under him kind of twice, both times being the second half of the year, which granted, if you're going to be hot, rather be at the end than the beginning. But I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. How do you I think United? I don't, I don't think it's a coincidence. We haven't mentioned Paul Pogba. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the best midfielders, obviously, in the world. But, you know, sometimes he disappears. Um, you know, sometimes I feel like he's not bought in to United. Um, you know, he's just trots around the field sometimes and he just looks uninvolved. Um, so definitely a big question mark there for United. Yep. Um, I, I would say United has a very good shot at, at being in the top four, competing for that, uh, you know, they're basically, you know, not, not to skip to the end, but the Premier League this year is going to be very similar to last year, I think, where it's City and Liverpool fighting for that the top spot for the most part. So I think United has just as good a shot as Chelsea and, and Arsenal at the end of the day of being top four material. I just personally see some some holes for them. Also, a little bit, bit of something to note is um, Dean Henderson – was their, their goalie that was lent out to um, Sheffield last year. And I think he may have had, like, the best goalkeeping yeah. numbers in the Premier League. Yeah, um, Nick Pope was up there, too. Yes, uh, yes, Nick Pope was. Yeah, but, but he, he's a player. Yeah, and he's British. And, uh, you know, David De Gea hasn't been what he what he was. Uh, don't – you know, I, I can see that being a little bit of drama this year. And, and just drama in the sense of, like, I think a move is going to be made at some point, not, you know – I don't think United did anything wrong bringing back in Dean Henderson. I think that was the right move. But, you know, look for maybe a changing of the guard uh, in between the sticks for United soon. Then let's look at Man City. Man City, the club of a bazillion dollars. 
you know, the, Man City is just they're, – they're the most spoiled sports team in the history of the world. These guys – Oil money. Yeah, they've, they, they literally just have all the money of, like, the United Arab Emirates or something. And on top of that, like, these guys every year buy depth players – Better than most, like like more more abundantly than most clubs buy like their top priority. You know, they've they've uh, noticed center back is a major position of need for them. Uh, Alemeric Laporte was hurt for a period of time last year. Seems like they're not too fond anymore of uh, John Stones, right. and and they want to kind of build up there. They've already bought in uh, Nathan Ake. Yeah, yeah, good player. Yeah, from uh, Bourne you know, Smith. I think he fits well in Pep Guardiola's system. Yeah, I think um, he's left-footed too, which yep, is a big yeah, thing right now. Decent playing out of the back. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a good pickup for them. Um, and have they signed Kulabali yet? No, that's I, – I, now I have that down on our list. That's that's the big like – they've been circling Kulabali, right. this big defender, Senegal from uh, Napoli, all window. It, it seems to really be a matter of if – or of a when, not if. Right. With that deal, especially a club like City that has unlimited money. Um, so yeah, I, I think they are going to end up getting in Kalabali, and I think, you know, uh, in Deary, I think he's kind of like the second best defend or center back in the world behind uh, Van Dyke when you when you look at all things considered. You yeah, know, that, could, that argument can be made. At least in terms of like a big fit, like a defensive center back. You know, like not a, a playing it at the back kind of guy, but just purely defensive. You know, uh, Kalabali will certainly shore up that City defense. And then lastly, we're going to look at the uh, champions, the defending champs, Liverpool. Um, they've signed this Greek left back, uh, Simicus, uh, you know, hell if I know how to spell his name, but, but it's, I wrote it down because it was a nice 14 million uh, pound move from, from Olympiacos. And I just love this move. Cause this kid was one of the, the more highly touted, like fullback prospects this summer. Liverpool has the best uh, fullbacks in the world. Uh, Andre, er, eh, Andrew Robertson and, um, Trent Alexander, Trent Alexander Arnold, Arnold. And they're just doubling down, you know, the depth, the, yeah. like, like they're, I, I just really like that move. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're going to try to grow this kid. They might make more off their money. Maybe they sell Robertson one day if he's really good. Who knows? Yeah. You know? And uh, the fresh new full season for Minamino. Oh, I like uh, Minamino Jap- a lot. Uh, Japanese uh, young kid. Yeah. Um, you know, I think he scored uh, in the, the, the community shield, right? Community shield. Yeah. Yes. He yes, scored against right, community man. shield against us. Um, nice little player. Yeah, um, and then uh, got him from RB Leipzig. I, I really like Minamino. That's a name to remember. I could see him breaking out and getting moved from Liverpool for yeah. for game time sometime in the future. Like that, like that player, um, a player that I can't believe they haven't signed yet, Thiago Silva. I mean, uh, Thiago. Yeah, yeah, Thiago yeah, Silva. from Bayern Munich, yeah. of course. Yeah, no, um, that's an interesting one. So Thiago, central midfielder from the Barcelona Academy, he's been on uh, Bayern Munich for a couple years now. He's been, you know, he, he's one of these great creative engine types. And Liverpool has been connected to him since the second the min- the window was open, you know. And I think that's another one of those ones that could be kind of an an if not or a when not if scenario because, you know, he, he's 28, 29 ish. I think he just turned twenty nine recently. Right. So it's not going to break the bank, you know. It, it, they're not trying to transfer for a Mbappe type, you know, some 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 fresh youngster. But I, I think that's the kind of plug-and-play guy. Like, if you want to talk about making Liverpool even scarier, you know? Yeah, yeah definitely. If they get him, watch out. That midfield yeah. is going to be very dangerous. Yeah, especially you have Chieta doing the defensive work. Yep. You have um, Fabinho doing the long passes and Thiago doing the short ones. That is – that's scary. That's unbelievable. Um, Just real quick, Brad, you know, like talking light about it. Do you have a prediction who's winning the league this year? Um. 
Yeah, I thought about it. Um, I agree that I think it's either going to be City or Liverpool. Um, but this Liverpool team, man, they, you know, they're a juggernaut. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think they're going to take it, win it back to back. So, but yeah, that's my pick right there. I, I'd agree with you. The only thing I'd say to look out for with Liverpool is we haven't seen any injuries from Liverpool during this like two year run where they've yeah. won the Champions League. They've won the. You know, if you start seeing some guys get banged up, they have a lot of depth, but who knows, you know, especially in that defense. If something, God forbid, happened to, to Van Dyke or, or Trent Alexander-Arnold, I think they could be looking at some trouble. Yeah, so my top four uh, would probably be Liverpool, City, the Arsenal, and Manchester United. I'm going with Liverpool, City, Arsenal, Chelsea. So our top three is the same. Fourth slot's going to be different between us. Right. All right, and then our last segment before we get over to the gambling portion of the show is let's just wrap up the Premier League a little bit. Any other teams we have some comments on, uh, any commentary, and maybe a little relegation talk. It's always fun to try to predict that before the year, you know? Yeah, sure. Let's go back to Everton for a second. A team we despise. I'd love to. Yeah, a team, a team that's dead average. Uh, Below. Yeah, I was about to say 12th out of – hold on. So there's 20 teams in the Premier League. Everton finished 12th last, yet below average. Okay, so talking about this below average team, the Toffees, I will give them credit as LD is an unbiased man. The Toffees, they had a couple signings this summer. You know, the Toffees, no one knows how to blow 25, 30 million like the Toffees, first off, foremost, is proven last year when they spent like 35 million on Alex Alex Iwobi, which was great for us, bad for them. But yeah, yeah. But so they bring in Allen. Uh, from from Napoli, yep. bringing James Rodriguez from uh, uh, Real Madrid, and then how do you pronounce the the name of the fellow they got from Watford? Do you know? Uh, Decore. Let's just Decore. His last name is Decore. Let's okay, it's it. Decore. My one issue is this: Allen is twenty nine. Never played a minute in the Premier League. Only has played in Syria. Syria is one of the lesser, one of the lesser league, right there with League One. You know especially like physicality, all that. Once again, remember when we were talking about Joe Willock, midfield's a tough position to play in the Premier League. James. Yeah. I used to love James. James hasn't been James in, what, two, three years? He uh, had a real bad stint at Bayern Munich. He had one goal last season. Okay. He had a goal last year. You like you like goals. Can't win the game without goals. He had a goal. And then what was the name of the Wadford gentleman you said again? Uh, the, the spine of uh, the relegation side, Wofford. Uh, I'm going to butcher his first name, Abdu Decore. I'm a little upset you, you said all that because I was going to set you up. And I was going to be like, what was the name of Decore's name? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and Wofford, they had Decore last year. How, how are they doing? You know, but now they got relegated. You know, we're not here to talk about how bad Tom Davis is or how dreadful Alex Awobi is or how Gilfie Sigurdsson's washed up. They added some midfielders. You know, this this mm, they might draw a couple of the big six this year. Mm. They always uh, we uh, as one of our Everton fans say they always play up to the competition. So. Records might not agree, but but effort effort is what we're talking about here. And and then I wanted to mention Newcastle briefly. LD does not know a ton about Newcastle, but Newcastle was a big relegation favorite last year. Then the, everyone, you know, after Rafa Benitez, like, just walked away from the team and, and went to China. China. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then there was, like, rumors of, of Newcastle being the latest team that was going to be sold to some oil tycoon. Didn't happen. Newcastle 
fans have been in very low spirits. I actually think Newcastle's in for a pretty, pretty nice year. They're known as sort of a, a slow-plotting, holding team. Uh, they had a major flop of a, of a buy last summer in Joel Litton, which was dreadful for them. Records buy was horrible. But, you know, I, I like some pieces. I like uh, their attacking midfielder Alvarez that they bought from Atlanta uh, Atlanta FC a couple years ago. Yep. And and they've added Colin Wilson uh, uh, from Bournemouth, who they bought for like 22-ish million. And, and he was rumored to go to Chelsea a year or two ago. And they brought in Ryan Frazier, winger, Scottish winger from Bournemouth for free. Yeah, and that's that's, that's what I'm saying. And, and they're, they're known as like, you know, a defense first, slow, boring team. So if you throw in some offensive pieces like that, I actually think they could be pretty decent this year, you know? Yeah. And, and they're rumored to get our man Rob Holding from Arsenal on, on loan, and I think that could be a nice pickup for them. Yeah, so if they accomplish that, you know, maybe really look at uh, at Newcastle to be a team that surprises in a couple matches this year. And, Brad, I believe you had a bit about Leeds United you wanted to drop on us? Yeah, I think this is important. Uh, this is one of the most historic clubs in England. Um, they were relegated from the Premier League in 2003-2004 season. Um, that's when Arsenal went invincible, by the way. Um, they're a club known for their massive fan support. Uh, a lot of these teams in England, um, you know, there's multiple teams in different towns. The uh, thing with Leeds is that they're the only team in Leeds. Um, diehard fans, uh, you know, massive club that just fell from grace, financial crisis and everything. Uh, they have a new owner, uh, Italian owner, Andre Ragazzini, uh, Ragazzini, I can't say his name. <laughs> um, he bought the team for $45 million. That's it. Jesus. Uh, 45 million pounds, sorry. In, uh, quid. Yeah, quid in 2017. Um, hired uh, legendary manager Marco Bielsa, um, where they won the championship um, last season, which gave them automatic promotion. Um, you know, interesting to see what they'll do. Um, they have a great midfield player in Calvin Phillips, English player, um, you know, called up to the English national team. Um, you know, definitely an interesting team. Um, you know, one of those teams that, you know, I always seem to have a liking for. Um, you know, I, I definitely encourage uh, all these listeners to go watch um, their uh you know, documentary, I guess you can call it on Amazon Prime. Um, I forget the name of it at the top of my head, but I'm sure if you just search Leeds United on Amazon Prime, it's 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 awesome. Uh, this club is is legendary, and it's good to see you know clubs like this back in the Premier League. And now uh, going from Leeds, a team that was promoted this year, let's talk a little bit about some relegation candidates for this season. Um, you know, LD LD started his list off with with a little bit of a, I don't know if it's a surprising name or not, but West Ham, West Ham United. West, yeah. West Ham, I just feel like, uh, has just been disappointing for years and years. Every year they get like a couple of solid signings, some guys, and, and they, everything just disappoints. Felipe Anderson isn't good anymore. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, Arsenal's linked with him. But, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, West Ham, they're kind of in a little bit of a crisis um, themselves. Um, you know, the fans are, are in uproar. Yeah. Um, fans uh, are really mad. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see what they do this year. Um, you know, I, Relegation, you know, they might be just too big of a club. I don't know if you can say that to, to mm-hmm. skip relegation, but you know, they were they were down to the thick of it to the end last year. So yeah, you know, so we'll see. Uh, do, do you have somebody, Bradley, that you like? Yeah, you got to pick one of these. Uh, you know, teams that are promoted into the Premier League. Um, the three teams, uh, Leeds, obviously being one of them, uh, Fulham, and then West Brom. Uh, Fulham was in the Premier League a few seasons ago, was promoted, relegated, now they're promoted. You know, mm-hmm. I, if I had to pick one, Fulham, you're going back down. Yeah. Yep. Fulham was, you know, what's funny is Fulham sort of started, Fulham and Wolves came up in the same year, I believe it was Fulham, Wolves, and Cardiff City. 
And what was funny is that Wolves and Fulham kind of started this new trend of getting promoted to the Premier League and taking all of that money you get from the Premier League rights and the TV and all that and immediately spending it on splashy signings and players and all this and that to try to, to you know, make an impact. And it obviously worked swimmingly for Wolves and horribly for Fulham. And last year, I know Aston Villa did the same thing and they stayed up, but obviously they weren't yeah. that good. Yeah. You know, and, and so it's kind of funny to, to see what Fulham's going to do this year. Speaking of Aston Villa, I actually I actually am going to put a little warning on Sheffield, who, who I think finished, what, ninth last year? Uh, was really thrilling. People love the Sheffield was promoted last year. They didn't do a ton in terms of investment into their squad. They were definitely the ugly stepsister out of them, uh, Aston Villa and Norwich, who had been promoted that year. Right. And I just feel like Sheffield, they completely overperformed last year. They were in incredible form. Dean Henderson played, you know, a Premier League chart-topping goal goalkeeping for them, like we said before. And I just don't think they're going to be able to do that again. And to be honest, I saw a Burnley team a few years ago shock the world and finish seventh one year and then immediately drop down to, like, 16th the next year like i'm that one's more of a a trend than a than like a a statistical reason but i'm just saying keep your eye on sheffield so if you had to pick three Mm -hmm. if i had to pick three i'm probably gonna go (sighs) give me fulham west ham and give me a team we haven't mentioned yet give me burnley burnley just stayed they got nick pope what else do they got yeah yeah, I'm going Fulham, West Brom. I was going to say Brighton, but they beat us twice. <laughs> uh, Fulham, West Brom. Everton? Everton. Okay, so Fulham, West Brom, and Everton, the Toffees, will be relegated. You heard it here first from Bradley. Now, moving on. Let's wrap up this podcast, folks. And by wrap it up, I mean get to the thing that, that – we started this all up by hyping and by naming this podcast and the point of this whole thing, and that is soccer gambling. Yep, my, right? My favorite thing. Oh, your favorite, Bradley. Yes. Okay. It's, it's electric. It is electric. I mean, I, I will say this. So we're going to start with a little general talk about some soccer, Premier League gambling, some some trends we like, some strategies we like to employ. Then we're going to finish the podcast with our picks for the weekend. But I will say this about soccer. The one downside to betting soccer is there is nothing on earth like convincing yourself of a bet. Cause when you bet something like you've, you fully convinced yourself, like this is it, this is the move. Like, like you've sold yourself on all the possibilities as this, this can go right. So there is nothing on earth, like betting on a soccer game and, and being down one, nothing immediately. You know what I mean? Like I, I bet a couple years ago in the world cup, LD, LD had a bet on uh Colombia against Japan in like the group stages Columbia gave up a red card in four minutes inside their box. So they were a man down and a goal down. It was one of the worst experiences of my life. I woke up at like seven in the morning to watch this game to bet on. And I was just out immediately. Yeah. But on the other hand, um, kind of like I can kind of compare it to, I think the UFC, if you will. Oh, that's a great one. If you, if you get the knockout, it's, you know, it's Mm -hmm. it's instantaneous, uh, you know, electricity yeah where you know if you go up one nil and then you get you know a 70 minute uh like rocket you know it's it's electric i love it i uh you know and and granted while i'm, while I'm expo- exposing some losses of mine from the 2018 world cup i may as well expose some victories of mine as well as bradley can witness ld a year 
and six months prior to the 2018 World Cup was in Las Vegas, Nevada for the first time ever, and he put $100 down on France winning the 2018 World Cup. He told Bradley, he told everyone he knew, he begged them, told them France was winning the World Cup. It was meant to happen. It was the team of destiny. Bradley, who won the 2018 World Cup? That would be France. Thank you very much. So, so Bradley, you're a man with a little – we're not talking about like a system. None of us right. have an algorithm. No. But what are some stuff with football gambling so, that – football gambling that you look at? So, before I pick a game, the first thing I'll look at is um, are they home or away? Um, that is crucial in soccer. Some teams like Arsenal um, last season, uh, they improved, but the year before, terrible away. Um, so, you know, just, and, and just, absolutely dynamite at home. Yep. So that's that's first thing. Who's home or away? Um, then let's let's look at form. Mm-hmm. Uh, form. You know, the past five games is usually, uh, you know, what they'll it'll show you on uh, the normal apps. Um, but you want to catch a team that's in good form. Um, you know, be careful of a team that's, you know, been on the road for a little bit. So, you know, definitely look at the form. Um, I'd say look at the head-to-head record of who they're playing. That's mm-hmm. So some teams, you know, they don't play well against other teams. Um, for us, you know, it was Brighton last year. Yep. Uh, where you think Arsenal versus Brighton, uh, it sounds like a, you know, gimme line where mm-hmm. they, we struggled against them. So look at the head-to-head record, look at the form, who's home and away. Um, and my kind of go-to betting is, you know, so they do the hand, Asian handicap, which they'll, they'll throw a spread on the oh, game. Yeah. So it's either, you know, half a goal, one and a half, whatever it may be. Um, I usually like to pick, you know, a solid two two teams in a parlay money line. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a solid team, maybe you know, nothing crazy, no no minus eight hundred, no you know dead locks. But you know, you'll you'll get like we said. I think uh, who's Liverpool? Liverpool's playing Leeds. Mm-hmm. You know, they're minus three eighty. Yeah. Um, parlay them with maybe like an Arsenal who's like minus one seventy. Yeah. Uh, two money down. line teams. Um, that gets you one point five times your money. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know that's my little strategy there. I, I don't ever like to do too many teams in a parlay with yeah. soccer because it's anything could happen. And, and there's the draw. Yes. You know, and that's something obviously to always keep in in mind with with soccer gambling is that the draw is is ever prevalent. You know what I yeah. mean? Yep. And, and when you were talking about form earlier, Bradley, you know, what I was thinking to myself a little bit is as somebody and, – and, you know, you're the same way. We love baseball. We love football. We love basketball. You know, we're not, we're not just soccer heads here. But I would say soccer is definitely the most, like, you know, uh, temperamental of those sports from the standpoint of, like, in the same season I've seen Arsenal, you know, in one minute look like Champions League contenders. And, in the, like, and, and it is in sets of games in a row. Like, like we were talking about earlier with uh, Man United with Ali Gola Solskjaer and how they, they finished their last season is if you bet against Manchester United at the beginning of the 2019-2020 season, you were rich. And if you bet against them in the second half, you were in the poorhouse. If you really – like, and that's the other thing I would say to avoid is in soccer especially, never try to bet the correction. Never wait for that, you know. Right. Sometimes in blackjack, if Catch LD's – yeah, if LD's lost three, four hands in a row where the dealer's got money hands and LD's gotten crap, he'll sometimes bet big expecting, you know, he's finally due for a good hand. In soccer, you never want to try to be anticipating the, the change of the tide. You always want to be riding with the flow. I agree with yeah. you heavily there, Brian. And I will throw a disclaimer out there for, you know, it's not for the faint of heart. You know, mm-hmm. the 70th or sorry, the 80th to the 90th minute, the last 10 minutes of the game in soccer – Anything can happen. So either on the good side or the bad side. So, you know, never try to cover your losses by, you know, uh, hedging yourself or something like mm-hmm. that. Let the game play out. I've seen, yep. you know, two goals in the last five minutes of the game win me some money sometimes. So. 
And, you know, soccer, uh, you know, this this is a, a pattern seen in all sports when you're betting. But I've noticed it's especially prevalent in soccer, and that is the rat line. How many Saturdays, LD, you know, and it's one of those things that even an old veteran like LD will fall into every now and then. How many, you know, Fridays LD's woken up, checked the lines, and been like, what? Uh, uh, Man, Man United's got, got Southampton, and they're only favored by, they're only minus 110? This is... This is unbelievable. I got to be all over United. Honestly, man, soccer above any other sport. If you see a line that is too good to be true, it it almost always is. You know, in 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 the NFL football betting, the public will win those big tides every now and then. Not in soccer, man. If something doesn't make sense, there's a good reason. And like Brad said, sometimes guys are on the road too long. Another big one, man, has come. Come the winter, teams start playing three games a week, and guys will be exhausted. Yep. And the big clubs like United and Arsenal and Chelsea will have, you know, cup league cup matches and Champions League and all this, and the smaller clubs won't. And a lot of times they'll be more fresh. Yeah, I think this is important uh, just to note. Uh, the lineups always drop exactly an hour before kickoff. Check the lineups. Don't try – I, you know – if you're pretty confident, you know, you can you can bet on it before the lineups, but I highly recommend knowing the lineups before you're placing the bet. And and that's a great line before we get into our picks, Bradley, because that'll that that gives us, you know, two pieces of caveats here. First off, anytime LD is making, you know, we're recording this podcast right now on Monday, uh, the Monday of Labor Day. So we are almost a week away from these games. So if anything changes from the picks we're about to give you due to injury, due to lineup changes, LD will tweet it out from the official LD account at LD the man on Twitter. Uh, but also that's the other thing is, you know, if I'm, I, I'm going to give, I'm going to be giving picks and tips prior to kickoff. You always, or, you know, maybe sometimes days in advance, you always got to check back right before the kickoff. Uh, if you're going to place a bet, because you never know when something's going to change. And also sometimes there's, there's an opportunity to take advantage of that. Because sometimes the lines will be, you know, way in Liverpool's favor against Everton. And then it turns out that Liverpool's resting half their team because they have a Champions League that match that week. And who has to worry about Everton, you know? Right. So you got to you gotta consider that sort of stuff. Um, but now let's look into into this opening week's worth of games. Once again, this is, this is slightly speculatory just because, you know, d- you really want to lock these in a little closer to the date. But LD wants to talk uh, start things off with Leicester City. Against West Brom Albion, Leicester City is favored by half of a goal, and LD loves this line. Firstly, the home away does not matter as much these opening couple weeks as fans are still out. But but Leicester, you know, West Brom's a promoted team, and, and normally these promoted teams come out with a little bit of fire. But Leicester's a team that was really hot last year. They were in the Champions League spots throughout the vast majority of the season. It looked like it was going to be a big triumph. Then after Operation Restart happened, Leicester was ice cold on the comeback. And a major part of that was because their primary holding defender, Wilfred Ndidi, was injured. He's one of those guys that his value to Leicester cannot be overstated. He controls their midfield. He protects their back line. And, and, and he distributes the ball up, up the pitch. And, and he's incredibly valuable to them. I think that Leicester's being undervalued in this game right now because of the form they were in at the end of last year. The books have cooled on them a little bit. They, they think Leicester's kind of a, maybe closer to a middle-of-the-pack side. I think they could absolutely trounce West Brom. You know, Kieran Gibbs isn't stopping James Madison. That's all I got to say. 
Yeah, I agree. I, I like that pick a lot. Um, I'm going to start my favorite pick. Um, teams do come up with a little fire from, you know, uh, promotion. But, again, Leeds United, they haven't been in the Premier League since 2003, 2004. They're going to they're gonna be, I think, a little bit too overhyped. And they're going up against, I think, the best team in the world in, in Liverpool. Yep. Um, the, line, the Asian handicap, the spread is one and a half. Uh, you get that about even. Uh, I can see this being a 3-0. Mm-hmm. So I'm taking Liverpool minus one and a half. Not to mention Liverpool famously drew Norwich to open last season. So I don't think this is going to be a scenario where Liverpool's coming into it, you know, uh, uh, riding in soft on the coattails. You know what I'm saying? Right. Not to mention Liverpool just played in the Community Shield with Arsenal as well. So they might have a, you know, be a little more uh, tuned up than, than uh, Leeds is. For sure. Then uh, my, my second of my two picks that I like, and, and this one has a little bit of a caveat to it. Tottenham favored by half a goal against Everton. Here is my caveat. That comes to me a little bit as a rat line. It doesn't make a ton of sense to me. I'm a little bit skeptical of it. But Everton, as much as I've trashed Everton this entire podcast, they do get a little bit of love from the bookies because they are a known entity. Everton, in my opinion, the bookies treat Everton 10 times more seriously than they treat Southampton, let's say, and I don't know if that's necessarily deserves to be the case. Tottenham is a team uh, full of a lot of talent who had a very disappointing end of the year. They have a very busy opening of this year. They have like Europa qualifiers and this and that that they need to do. I believe that they have the depth that they're going to be well-rested enough against Everton to have have the right squad, you know? Yeah, and and just to add on that, um, the guys that we that so the positives that we brought in, they they uh, Everton got three new midfielders. Mm-hmm. I, maybe Allen, maybe one of them yeah. plays. That's true. That's it, true. It, With the quarantine know. rules right now, teams yeah. that are having a lot of uh, summer signings are at a bit of a disadvantage to begin this year. That's a phenomenal point, Bradley. Right. Um, now I'm going to go again. This is my favorite, the the two-team parlay money line. Um, I'm going with my boys, Arsenal. Um, you know, again, there's a lot of fire, a lot of passion coming to this team. I think we're ready. I think we're ready to run. Arteta has those boys ready. We're playing Fulham. Um, it is an away game. But, you know, again, like LD said, uh, these days they don't mean as much of their weight. Um, so I'm going Arsenal money line against Fulham and Chelsea money line against Brighton. Um, Chelsea, uh, we talked about this earlier. They they signed a lot of new guys. Who's going to play? We're not sure. Uh, But I'll tell you one guy who is going to play, Timo Werner. And if you're doing props, take him to score. Yeah, yeah. And and honestly, even if a lot of those new signings don't play, you know who's going to play? Those really talented young guys who just got their jobs taken from them, who have something to prove, you know? Yeah, and and that uh, that parlay right there, Arsenal-Chelsea, that gets you 1.5 times your money. So That's great value. Little play. Yep, yep. That's one of those ones where, where you know, the, the money – that see, that's what Brad got there is a perfect non-rat line. Like, Arsenal's minus 170 against Fulham. I That's not something that's jumping out at me. You know what I'm saying? That That's pretty – that that's a good value and a good bet. But I, I don't look at that and my eyes bulge out of my head because I can't believe it, you know? I So, so to, to go back to my Tottenham pick real quick, I will say that is one to check back in – at LD the man on Twitter on Saturday because I will definitely make that one official or not based on the Tottenham lineup because I'm gonna have to see how fresh that squad is all this and that you know yeah but we got to come out of the gates hot um, yeah I think you said this earlier um, you know these these Yankee uh, line guys you know they I, I feel like it's a little uncertainty right now mm-hmm. so we got to be more prepared than them yep and uh, you know I'm ready to roll. 
All right, guys, that is your official picks uh, uh, for the podcast this week. But look me up on Twitter, and I'm certainly going to have a big board of plays for the opening Premier League weekend and maybe a couple for the NFL season as well. Uh, Bradley, this was a phenomenal podcast. I, I This blew away my expectations even. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me on, man. It was really fun. No problem, man. Anytime. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. I hope you've learned a little bit about football. I hope you've learned a little bit about class, about passion, about tradition, and about Arsenal. Until next time, this is your man, LD, signing out. Arsenal.